Welcome to the Hot Lava Podcast. Kevin Acey, Padres beat writer for the Union Tribune. I'm back in town. Ryan Finley, sports editor of the Union Tribune. Getting ready for the opening series against Colorado Rockies. We're taping this on Tuesday afternoon. Opening day, Thursday. Looks like rain. We'll talk about that later. We got a lot to get into. It's become a cliche. This is the most anticipated season in Padres history, though it might not be the most anticipated uh, sporting event in uh, of the week in San Diego. Uh, Ryan, where where do you want to start? Uh, we'll get into strengths, weaknesses, roster decisions. You're the boss. I always remind you of that. Where do you want to go? Yeah, we interrupt this Aztec basketball season for the start of baseball season, which is just strange. It's what a, what a week, what a week we've got. Uh, Kevin, I want to talk roster spots. I mean, to me, this is the news. Um, the Padres are going to meet with the media, have an open workout on Wednesday afternoon. Roster decisions are coming. To me, there are a couple that really interest me. One is in the starting rotation, and then there are a couple in the bullpen. Uh, let's start with the rotation. It looks as if Ryan Weathers is in and Jay Groom is out. Explain that thought process. Yeah, that was the word on what, what? – Monday. Okay. I got to start paying attention to what day of the week it is. So I know when to, you know, get on planes and stuff. Uh, that was uh, today's Tuesday. Uh, that was Monday. Uh, that was the word on Monday morning is that it was between weathers and groom that it seemed sort of, uh, apparent. And then it was like, you know what? It's probably going to be, uh, weathers. Weathers has been in the organization. Weathers had himself a real nice spring. Here's the thing about Jay Groom. He didn't allow a run till late in spring, but there was a lot of trouble. Uh, they really like what they have in Jay Groom. Jay Groom will probably pitch for them this year. But he he doesn't have the stuff that Ryan Weathers has when Ryan Weathers is on. He doesn't have the out pitch that Ryan Weathers has when Ryan Weathers is on. So, you know what? We need one start, possibly two from a guy. L- let's give it to this, this kid who is ours, who has been here, and and we think has a greater upside. And so Ryan Weathers, uh, look, it might be one start, it might be two. That's really cool that he has earned his way back onto the Major League squad, his second opening day. It feels like Ryan Weathers has been a part of my life forever, but he is, what, 24? Yep. I mean, he's yep. still a kid. What has he yeah. done? I mean, again, he's had back-to-back years where he's really struggled. Uh, what has he done to get himself sort of back in the conversation here? New uh, new delivery, uh, got himself more. And I don't like to get into this because I don't like to pretend that I'm a coach or a scout, but I talk to a lot of people and has got himself a little bit more over the top and, and straight down. And, and that's going to help with command. Look, Ryan Weathers in 2021, as good as he was up through July, was walking a tightrope that whole time. There was a, t- a point where I was writing every start about the leadoff runners that were leading or reaching base and a lot of times by walk. And then Ryan Weathers was getting out of it. The kid has brass ones. And and, and that is a great trait to have as a pitcher in the major leagues. But you don't want to have to, like, always be clanging them together. All right? Um, things that I can say on the podcast that I can't in print. Um, I just you've, been, you've been around baseball a lot here, Kevin, if you're using I, euphemisms like that. Go ahead. I just take that liberty here. Uh, but but uh, so, so he – last year, basically, at some point, June, July – it's not like give up on the major leagues, but it's, hey, 
I, I got to work on stuff to make myself better to get back to the major leagues. Um, and he ended up coming up and making one start in June uh, in, in Chicago. It wasn't great, though the Padres did win because the Cubs were terrible and the Padres scored a lot of runs. But uh, it was, I got to get back there. I got to just kind of work on things. And look, that's what he did. And, and there was a time where it did seem Jay Groom was going to be the guy. I think anybody would have told you that. And that Ryan Weathers was still working on stuff. But at the end of spring, Ryan Weathers seemed to be the clear choice. Sure. So Ryan Weathers slots in as the sixth man in this rotation? Yes, but the fifth, because it looks like you Darvish will pitch the sixth game. Uh, And that's right before an off day, which allows them to reset. Uh, If Joe Musgrove is coming back on the 11th, which is the middle game in New York, um, which is what he hopes and and could happen, uh, depending Mm -hmm. on what happens here in his next couple starts in the minor leagues. Uh, But, yeah, you have – you, you're going to start with Blake Snell. We'll talk about him. Nick Martinez, Michael Walker, Seth Lugo on Sunday, the last game against the Rockies. And then the opener against Arizona looks like it'll be Ryan Weathers. And the final game of that first homestand, you Darvish. Blake Snell is – you can sort statistics that will tell you that Blake Snell is one of the best pitchers in baseball. Yep, got him a lot of them written right here. He's, he's incredible, yes. Uh, on this team, when everybody's healthy, he's probably their third best starter. Uh, what is expected of him heading into the opener and what are realistic expectations for him heading into a huge year? I mean, this is a contract year for him, isn't it? Yeah, that's the thing. There's a lot of things pointing to this being a really fine year for Blake Snell, by the way. Yeah, you're right. You know, based on, uh, based on who goes 30 starts, who's good the whole year. He's the number three starter since August 1st of 2021, Blake Snell has, the best ERA on the team among starters. He has one of the best ERAs in the majors. He has more strikeout uh, per batter uh, than any pitcher in the majors. Blake Snell is a hell of a pitcher. Now he has fewer starts, fewer innings pitched in those in that span than a lot sure. of people, and less than Joe Musgrove and you Darvish. And that's a part of what makes a pitcher is you know going deep in games. Here's this is great. This might be the greatest thing to happen to, to Blake Snell. Uh, you know, uh, Bob Melvin, who's a master of not saying things uh, and saying things. And and then what he says is he leaves some stuff out. Right. But what he says sure sounds like more of a compliment than it is. And so when Bob Melvin is talking about Blake Snell as the opening day starter, talking about how he's earned this and, and this will be good for him. That's all true. Now, he's the opening day starter because Joe Musgrove's hurt and you Darvish wasn't built up. Right. But then Bob Melvin goes into this and it makes all the sense in the world that Joe Blake Snell came into this camp um, ready. That was true. I wrote about that. And, and Blake talked about it a little bit. Um, he uh, had a good camp. He can he was focused on having a whole year. We've all talked about it. Blake Snell, since he came into the league, has the third lowest ERA in the second half of the season behind Justin Verlander and Jacob DeGrom. Wow. And the 44th, I think it might even be worse, but like he's he's barely a top 50 pitcher in the first half of the season. The disparity in his ERA, it's in the twos, it's in the fours, uh, first half, second half. So the idea that now he he was already focused on, for, for a couple of reasons. He wants to be a better pitcher. 
Oh, and he's a free agent next year. He wanted to focus on having an entire season, right? Hit the ground running. He was up. He never stopped throwing for all intents and purposes. He was in San Diego four days a week in January. It was to carry over how he finished with to how he starts. And now he's the opening day starter and all that that brings. And maybe is that good for him that it's like, we don't know what's going to work on somebody, um, but they sure hope so because with Joe out, with not knowing what you will be built up to, with uh, you know we uh, look Seth Lugos went six yesterday, Waka went what four and something the the, the on Sunday they're 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 built up they're fine Nick Martinez built up, but it's not always going to be like last year where your first couple your first three starters went what seven six six the first two didn't give up a hit uh it set a tone for the whole season of a six-man rotation and and your bullpen getting rest and being its best at the end of the season not always going to go like that innings could be a problem especially early with joe musgrove out so it's important that blake you know sets a tone yeah this is the knock on this team i mean if you're the if you're rocky's owner dick montfort or anybody, or I mean, it's and he's not alone. The knock on this team is giant payroll, a lot of superstars in the field, stacked lineup, pitching depth could be a concern. Padres went out and they got Michael Walker. They they're trying to build that depth, but this could still be a problem if things linger. Right? If Musgrove isn't back, if Musgrove is back slowly, if Darvish isn't who, if he's aging faster than he has in the past. The starting pitching could be a concern. And that means for Blake Snell, it is a massive year. I think that this is all valid. I mean, like, like who who really has three, who who has what the Mets have, right? Or the Astros have, right? But look, we're at the point now where your line of thinking is kind of the line of thinking that fans of the Padres have to have, right? Not like a negative or pessimistic, but here's the standard that our team has to have, right? Uh, if you're going to be a World Series contender, if you're going to be a division winner, if you're going to line yourself up to be playing your best baseball, uh, and last year the Padres showed the the formula, not necessarily 89 wins, not necessarily never having longer than a five-game winning streak, uh, you know, but but the idea of playing your best baseball at the end of the season and your pitching being able to, you know, not be uh, on fumes at the end of the season, yeah, absolutely. This is the big story to keep an eye on. There are things in the lineup uh, that are that are questions, but, but uh, this is the big thing to keep an eye on. Well, Kevin, I have a question about the lineup. Sure. Uh, Juan, Juan Soto, uh, there's a story on uh, the UT's website right now that you wrote about Juan Soto. I believe you said that uh, the Padres did everything but wrap him in styrofoam during spring training to make sure that he was healthy and ready to go for the start of the season. He told you the other day he's good to go. There are no concerns at this point. You know, if you had just looked at him, and this does not mean he wasn't hurt. This is not me talking about Juan Soto. This is me talking uh, to two things, and that is to not worry and that the Padres were careful. If you just looked at Juan Soto, whether it was when he was dealing with the calf strain or, or the, or more recently the oblique strain, you would not know he was hurt. I watched him work out almost every day. I didn't watch all of the workouts, but I watched him work out as he was progressing his way back from both injuries, and it's like, yeah, he's fine. This is not a guy who – who is being limited by his his own uh, ability. He's being limited by the strength and conditioning coach, the athletic trainers, uh, you know, the medical staff that is watching him. And so that's what I meant by the Padres were just very careful with him. 
he was hitting the ball all over wherever he was, the WBC, Cactus League games, backfield games. Um, he looks like what you when you saw him play, he looks like what you thought the Padres were getting last year. What they got last year was a decent player. It wasn't a guy that you gave up the farm for and that uh, you're going to pay $23 million this year and probably $30 million next year. Uh, and, and, you know, God knows what he's going to make after that. But uh, that's what he looks like in spring. And by that, I don't mean all the home runs. I, I do mean the way the ball flies off his bat, though. I do mean the eye. I do mean the way that he plays uh, because he he is an exciting player on the base paths as well. Um, and it looks that Juan Soto is healthy. Is it, again, with those expectations, with knowing that this lineup has to be together, is it at least somewhat concerning that he had these two, you know, issues during spring? Sure. Sure it is. Um, he might not have another thing and we'll forget all about the spring. But yeah, I, look, I think it's important to uh, to note that you know bad stuff happens throughout the course of the season. So a long season, yeah. He's uh, Kevin. You've gotten to know him a little bit here in camp. You know, he's somebody. I don't know if you follow any of the social media stuff, but his uh, you know "Good morning, my people" thing on uh, the Padres social media feed. Uh, one of the last days of camp, they did a uh, their question of the day to all the Padres players was, "Do your best Juan Soto impression." And everybody had a Juan Soto impression, and everybody said it with a laugh. What sort of a human being is Juan Soto um, now that you've gotten a chance to, to be around him throughout his spring training? I, um, the number one thing that sticks out, and I, look, he's, he does seem to have fun. One of the most confident human beings that I've ever seen, and I'm someone who for the last quarter of a century has hung out with professional athletes. I don't mean hung out like at the club, but uh, has been around professional athletes uh, on an almost daily basis so that's saying a lot. He is one of the most confident human beings that 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 and it and it it oozes out. And I think it helps. I think it it gives other people confidence, right? Like that's Juan yeah. Soto. Crazy. The Padres also have another guy. That's Manny Machado. That's Fernando Tatis. That's Xander Bogart. It's like the whole, like in spring training, at least, I think I know where their lockers will probably be in the uh, Padres clubhouse, but in spring training, it was a row of lockers basically. And it's like this incredible row, row of, of players with Nelson Cruz right there in the middle. Um, he's, he's funny. Um, it's very important to Juan Soto. Like I'll take, for instance, uh, when he got, came back from the WBC, it didn't matter who it was. Moises Lugo, Eggy uh, uh, Rosario, uh, Xander Bogarts, when Juan Soto walked in the room, uh, uh, you know, Nabil Chris Matt, Joe Musgrove, whoever it was when Nabil Chris or when uh, Juan Soto walked in the room coming back from the WBC, he gave everybody a hug and 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 talked to them, English, Spanish, whatever it was. Uh, and and he's a teammate. That's something you heard about him when he came. It's something that you see now. And like a lot of these guys, they value teammates probably above like anybody, but family. Uh, that's, uh, that's maybe you would expect that, but I'm just like, it's very important to him. Awesome. On from Juan Soto, a name, everybody knows to a name that I'm just learning. Tell me about Domingo Tapia and why is he going to be on this team on opening day? A gigantic right-hander who throws very hard, but has generally had his uh, fastball, which can hit 100, is uh, always, you know, 96, 98, closer to 98. They throw it right to a lot of bats, uh, which is why he's only pitched 50 games uh, over four seasons or three seasons for four teams. Okay, so he's, uh, he's a definition of a journeyman. He's 31 years old. This spring... Now, I don't know how much they tested him, right? 
Uh, I don't know how much until Robert Suarez went down, they were thinking that Domingo Tapia would be on their, their roster because he was pitching in the eighth, ninth inning of spring training games. Generally, you go to test a guy, you're putting, you know, when Josh Hader early in the spring is going in, it's in the fourth inning. All right. Or if it's a guy that you want to see like Brent Honeywell, you're putting him in in the fourth inning. If it's coming out of the bullpen, generally starters are leaving earlier and you want to see him while the other teams, more of the other teams, regulars are in. That didn't happen with Tapia. So we'll see when the season starts. But the fact is, you know, a lot of swing and miss through hard. And he absolutely was the next best guy when Robert Suarez went down. Mm-hmm. So that'll be uh, you'll see. He throws hard. He throws hard and he's a large human being. Another, a lot of people told me this was, uh, if you want to have some surprises, this was one of the surprises um, that that obviously they signed him for a reason, but he he surprised him. He had a really, really good spring. Is Brent Honeywell another one of those surprises? More like hopeful, right? Like, um, like yeah, w- this is why we built this depth. We got this guy in case we don't sign Michael Walker, right? Because, uh, you know, he was here in, in the offseason, a uh, minor league contract. Um, and and so this is a guy highly touted. People that follow baseball uh, maybe know a lot about him. He's coming up uh, with the Rays, a lot of injuries. Uh, he is uh, he's a very good pitcher. And there was a time where we were looking at maybe a starting spot. Uh, he is uh, almost certainly on the roster and he will come out of the bullpen and whether that's three innings, if they need that, you know, to supplement what Nabil Chris Matt does as a long reliever because uh, of that potential inning shortage I talked about, or if he's a guy that just pitches one inning, uh, I think they had him pitch one inning yesterday. Uh, he did well out of the bullpen uh, for the most part this spring. Um, and it's, it's a neat story. It's a, it's a real neat story because of what a guy has to do. And this is not, he has been in the majors. He did appear, I believe it was during the pandemic season, I think for the race, but mostly in the minors suffering through these injuries and, and to just to continue to play and now to be in the majors. I, I just, I, again, that used to be kind of the thing I'd wrap my arms around and just write those heart tugging stories. Uh, and, and now you just, you, you cover the Padres and you spend so much time on winning and and Soto and Machado and all you know Tatis 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 Machado Tatis Bogarts uh, Musgrove Darvish Snell. This is a great story. Uh, Brent Honeywell being back in the majors. Absolutely, uh, we're talking about the last, the final few roster decisions. It's be another one. I mean, if we're looking at the Padres outfield on opening day, uh, raise your hand if you thought Rugnet Odor would be a possible starter in the outfield on opening day. Right. And if, if, yeah. if Kyle Freeland lefty was starting instead of Herman Marquez for the Rockies, then it, it probably it wouldn't be Odor, right? Uh, who's a left-handed hitter. But and I'm not saying it is going to be, but that certainly was suggested to be by a couple people that Rugnet Odor could be your starting right fielder. Remember, we are now on Tatis weight, uh, 20 games without Fernando Tatis Jr. So there'll be a lot of rotating there uh, in, in right field. So Jose Azokar would be your primary guy. Prop, I mean, to start the season at least. They have moved Odor out there. He certainly probably got work there today. He's going to get work there tomorrow. Um, and, you know, because he's not going to play left field. Uh, that's right. where Juan Soto will be. And Odor is uh, – look, don't be surprised if Rugnet Odor is batting leadoff and playing right field tomorrow, just like Tatis will be when he comes back probably. Um, so uh, because – you don't have a lot of great options at leadoff. 
Mm-hmm. And I don't know that Bob Melvin is going to put that pressure on Trent Grisham. Right. So, uh, and I do, Cronenworth was better not there. Cronenworth mm-hmm. had a hell of a spring. So well, that's one of the big questions. But uh, yeah, Rugnet Odor earned himself a spot, a four something on base percentage, uh, hit 300 something. Um, and uh, he's still got some pop and the, you know, plays a good defense. And look, he could be a guy who um, goes to second. The, the plan was that when you have a hard throwing right hander, Hassan Kim most often would be on the bench to start. Cronenworth moves from first to second, his natural position. Carpenter plays first. That'll still happen. But Rugnet Odor could play second, keep Carpenter as the DH, help that 37 year old body keep Cronenworth at first. So Rugnet Odor gives them a lot of options. And the fact that he can still play, we could look back and say, man, that was a big part of the Padres success if he if he really can still play and he can play at a little bit higher level than the guy who you know as we're sitting here praising him the guy who hit like 201 over the last three seasons sure and this guy was brought in I mean to me I'm fascinated by the opportunity that he really took advantage of he was brought in essentially to be a roster filler while all these Padres were in the world baseball class right he didn't he signed a couple weeks into camp Right, he was yep. not part of their plan necessarily, right. but it looks as if he's going to be a, a member of this team, and maybe, like you said, hitting leadoff on Thursday. Yeah, you might have been stating it a little stronger, but yes, that was a component of it. Like all these guys were gone, and here comes Rugnet Odor. Rugnet right. Odor, obviously, not that you were saying that at all, but he didn't look at it that way. And the Padres would say, "Yeah, like, yeah, that that was one of the reasons we brought him in, is we had a spot for him. Let's see if he can play." No one knew if he could still play. Turns out he can still play. And I the reason I like him in leadoff is it's still, you saw, it was still a really good at bat. Yeah. Trent Grisham, I've always been a Trent Grisham guy. If you listen to this podcast, which I know you did for years, Ryan, you heard me say that while my former co-host was always bashing him. I'm a Trent Grisham guy. Still <laughs> a Trent Grisham guy. Sure. But... Let's be honest, 184 with a 286 on-base percentage last year. And Bob Melvin had this thing last year. If someone was struggling, he's a believer in, maybe don't put them in positions that that they could maybe get in their head. Let's try to maximize the potential for a good performance. And I just don't know that he's going to put Grisham uh, up there. And so you have this other option, a professional at bat, a guy who can take a walk um, and and also a guy who can hit. So, uh, you know, there you go. This year's Hot Lava podcast comes with sound effects, by the way. I don't know if you heard that. While we were talking about Rugnet Odor, my doorbell rang. I don't know if you heard that in the background. Whoa. That's weird, right? Better than, uh, I will say this, uh, better than uh, my former co-hosts. Whenever the uh, Hot Lava started, his uh, gardener came. (laughs) Leaf blower right outside the window? Nine out of ten times, oh, um, and 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 of course he was very professional about it, and you barely ever noticed it, but but I certainly noticed it. <laughs> Kevin, we've got just a couple minutes left here. The one thing we can't speculate on or analyze heading into Thursday is Mother Nature, and my mm. goodness, there's rain in the forecast. The the yeah. most anticipated season in Padres history cannot begin with a rain delay, can it? 
I think it was 2006, the second game of, of the season was rained out. But here we are, opening day. Look, uh, I think the latest, if I could read the meteorological uh, ease that is on the NWS uh, website, I think that they're predicting the rain moves out in the morning on Thursday. Okay. But we'll see. Now, thank goodness, got two things going for us, folks. Game's supposed to start at 110. Gives you a lot of cushion to delay, maybe the ninth rain delay in Petco Park history. And you still get the game in at a decent hour. And we got that pitch clock, baby. So, uh, you know, I still might not be a late night, even if the game got delayed. So uh, most of the time, I would completely whatever you tell me there's 40 percent chance of rain whatever it is in san diego that that means like two percent it's not going to happen but my understanding is it rained a heck of a lot while i was gone for, over these it six did. weeks so uh and then, you know 30 percent meant that you were going to get like four inches so <laughs> crazy i we'll seem see. to remember the eighth rain delay in petco park history being a pretty good night so rain is not necessarily a bad omen if you're a padre fan did that game get delayed or did that it game did. get delayed? It was delayed. It was okay. As somebody who okay. got wet that night, it was delayed. It was very All delayed. Right. I, I remember yeah. that it was six hours long and that I was writing, <laughs> um, well, I want to say on deadline, but uh, thanks to, uh, you know, Jay Posner, Loris Acala, Jeff Light, uh, I think they extended deadline that night. I think it was like 1130 or something. Uh, and that uh, the game was won in the rain and uh, people were singing in the rain, literally. Uh, I, I definitely remember the rain. I couldn't remember if it got delayed. Uh, so I'm going to, I might have to, I might have to update eight regular season. Now that the Padres are actually postseason players, we might have to start delineating between regular and postseason when we talk about such things. So they play so many playoff games <laughs> now. Kevin, it, it, we're probably going to give the Rockies about as much attention as they deserve here, which is just at the very end. Looking at this club, what do you think? How do you, how do you anticipate the first weekend uh, shaking out? Well, it'd be crazy to say that for the third straight season, the Padres will have a losing record against the Padres or against the Rockies. They were nine and ten against the Rockies last year, and eight and eleven the year before. All right. Wow. Uh, the story of 2021. There were many stories, but one of them was losing to bad teams on a regular basis. Uh, but even last year. Uh, most of that trouble was at Coors Field, but I want to just, uh, as I was doing my preseason research here, my pre-series research, of the top five hitters at Petco Park last year, in average, Freddie Freeman hit 406. The man's a beast. Yeah. Uh, Jose Iglesias, who's no longer with the Rockies, was the sec was tied with with Freeman at 406. Wow. Third and fourth. Oh, and fifth. We're Rockies. Jonathan Daza, Brendan Rogers, Ryan McMahon all hit 333 or better at Petco Park. I got Rogers slugging 538 at Petco Park. McMahon slugging 556 at Petco Park. The Rockies, we could go back. Charlie Blackman's not Charlie Blackman anymore, but there's not an right. active player who owns the Padres and plays them on a regular basis like that. You've got Chris right. Bryant, who had himself a really nice spring. The Padres did not have to face Chris Bryant. Almost no one had to face Chris Bryant last year. But uh, but but Chris Bryant had a heck of a spring. Mike Moustakis is on this team now. Yurikson Profar is on this team now. 
So I think there's some exciting things, but yes, the Rockies. Now, that said, Herman Marquez, maybe he's not the Herman Marquez of old, but I think he went seven innings, uh, two runs in his one start at Petco Park last year. I think Kyle Freeland was 3-0 and against the Padres last year. Let me check it out. Uh, Kyle, a couple of those were in... Um, we're at Coors, but uh, no, he's three and one against the Padres last year. Uh, Austin Gomber only pitched in relief against them. He'll be pitching on Saturday. And Jose Ureña uh, will go against Lugo on, on Sunday. Potters have done okay against him. Look, and I think the Diamondbacks are going to be uh, fairly decent, especially their pitching. This isn't right. the homestand that it sort of looks like, right? right? Now, look, we'll talk about this a lot. Like, this is baseball. Potters aren't going to go 6-0. and up. Should they go four and two against these two teams to start the season? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. It's not like the, I haven't lined up the Diamondbacks pitching, but they got a heck of a staff and they got yeah. a good young team that plays the right way under Toyo Lavulo. The, the Rockies, they've got dangerous players, at least, at least when they play the Padres. Uh, and they've got pitchers that do really well, especially the first two guys against the Padres. Yeah. Crazy. Last question, Kevin. Do you have your regular season scorebook ready to go? Look at that. So excited. If you're not watching yeah, on video, you must think Kevin just pulled a blue binder out from behind Okay. But, uh, but yeah, very excited. Very cool. Well, that'll do it. It's almost opening day, Kevin. I'm excited, man. How about you? Yeah, I'll see you, uh, you know, I'll see you in the second homestand since, uh, you know, the entire staff is, uh, is going to uh, Houston for the final four. But, but uh, this is very, that's very exciting. Very, it would be, there'd be nothing greater than for the Diamondbacks game on Monday at Peco Park to just be something that people in San Diego aren't all that interested in because there's something else going on in San Diego sports that night. Would Peter Seidler move the game? Would they, <laughs> would they play at one? Would they play at I one? I think that would require an awful lot. I think a greater question is, say, on Saturday – um, do they show the game on on, on, on big screen um, on Monday? Well, no, that would be it starts late on Monday, doesn't it? They start about yeah, the same 640 time. Monday or six, 630 or 640. I think that Saturday it's a 310 tip Saturday. So that might be you could probably watch most of the Aztecs get in the car and go to the Padre game. More or less. Okay. Yes, you can do that. Yes, it would be all that would that would work out on Saturday, and that'll be right. quite the scene on Saturday. Uh, Monday will be about the same time, and I just think it'd be great. It'd be great. You know what? There's 161 others of those just in the regular season for the Padres, and how fantastic would it be if if uh, the place was only half full, or or that or that everyone there was cheering at odd moments because uh, they were they were paying attention to what was happening. The concourses were full, and I just think that would be. That'd be fantastic. Very cool. I don't know what we've done, Kevin, to deserve this run of good luck in San Diego sports land, um, but I'm not <laughs> asking too many questions. 50 years of, how about 50 years of mostly suffering? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going to keep my head down and pretend like this isn't just the luckiest stuff ever. It's really cool. Uh, and I'm so excited to start my first full Padre season on this podcast with you. Uh, let's talk. Are we going to talk in time for the Diamondbacks or are we going to talk after that? Well, we're going to talk in time for the Diamondbacks. Big series. Big two-game series. Big two-game we'll series. Monday. Monday. Tuesday two-game series. Yes, absolutely. Cool. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Hot Lava Podcast. For Kevin Acey, I'm Ryan Finley. We'll see you next time.